Beethoven, the composer, not the dog, he began losing his hearing when he was about 30 years old. And by the time Ludwig von Beethoven was about 50, he was basically completely deaf, although there were always periods where he could hear some sounds. He was basically deaf by 50. And those 20 years where he was gradually losing his hearing, those were excruciating years, as you can imagine, for a musician, for a maestro. During those 20 years, uh, he, you know, he, he fretted, he worried. He tried every medical thing imaginable, and some of them were just plain weird that he tried. And then his hearing was just gone. And an amazing thing happened than when he was finally, more or less, just completely deaf. It's like the pressure was off. He didn't have to worry anymore about losing his hearing because he didn't have anything left to lose. It was just gone. And imagine how many fewer distractions you would have if you couldn't hear anything. <laughs> he had no more distractions or very many fewer distractions. And amazingly, because he was kind of a genius, he still thought music. And in that quiet, distractionless world, these melodies just flooded through his brain. And Beethoven wrote what most people who know stuff about music believe is his, his most powerful music, his most amazing music he wrote after he was already dead. Deaf. Deaf. <laughs> he, deaf. After he had lost his hearing. Did. Now that'd be a story though. I mean, seriously. Now that's, that's really, <laughs> where were we anyway? Um, oh yeah, after he had lost his hearing and was deaf, he was still very much alive, but he was deaf and he, anyway, there goes that. Um, my, uh, <laughs> reminds me, Mr. McCarty, my band teacher. When, since we're already on a rabbit trail, let's just go for it here. He used to always say, you know, somebody like that, he's, he was no longer composing after he was dead. He was decomposing, which is different. Uh, womp bum. Yeah. All right, hey, thanks for coming. Thanks for being here this morning. Man, we're off to a great start. I, I should be better at this by now. I've been after this for a while. Okay, in a way, what I was, the point I was trying to make is, uh, in a way, Beethoven's loss became his gain. And Beethoven's loss became the world's gain. Even though it was something he didn't want to endure, he didn't want to go through, in some ways, something better came out of his loss. Well, where we pick up in the Gospel of Matthew today, Jesus has just finished for the first time, the first of three times, telling his disciples about his loss, his great loss that's coming. And it's not going to be the loss of his hearing. It's going to be the loss of his life. Jesus just told his disciples um, in this conversation, we're going to go to Jerusalem, boys, 
my enemies are going to, I'm going to be arrested, I'm going to be killed at the hands of my enemies, and then I'm going to rise again. And, and the disciples, even though Jesus said three times, he will predict that very plainly. I'm going to be arrested, I'm going to be killed, I'm going to rise again. It's like they didn't hear, or at least they didn't understand the resurrection part. Or maybe they thought, well, sure, you'll be resurrected someday, like we all will. You know, they didn't grasp. They just heard that the king is going to die, and they didn't like the sounds of that plan very much at all. So last week, we read as Peter rebuked Jesus for, for having the audacity to have a plan where he would die. Um, Surely, this will never happen to you, Lord. And then... Jesus called Peter Satan, which is always a bad day. And Jesus gave Peter the solution to his problem. His problem was, Peter, you're thinking the, the thoughts of man and not the thoughts of God. But in that rebuke, get behind me, Satan. The solution's in there too. Get behind me. Get back behind me. Follow me. And we looked at two little Greek words last week, apiso mu. That's the words that Jesus used to invite the original disciples. Follow me. And he said them again last week, get back behind me, follow me. And now today where we pick up, Jesus is going to begin to show his disciples what following him, he's going to sort of boil down what does following Jesus look like, entail, what is it? In its richest, most condensed form. That's what we're going to see today and study today. And it's like Jesus says, you know how I'm going to, I've told you I'm going to die. I'm going to lose. But, but don't worry, I will. I'll live by dying. I'll win by losing. I'll gain by suffering. And then today Jesus is going to say, if anybody wants to follow me, we have to be willing to do the same thing, to somehow lose. Now we won't all lose in the same ways or in the same amounts. That's what seems so unfair about following Jesus sometimes. Because some people lose this much and some people suffer this much. But one way or another, we, gotta, we have to learn that we can gain by losing, live by dying. And it's part of following Jesus. Outlining today's passage is really, really easy. This is one that's not hard to tell how to preach, because sort of grammatically speaking, here's what happens today. This is where we're going. Jesus is going to say, whoever wants to follow me, they have to do two things deny themselves, and carry their cross. It's discipleship in two parts. One part deny self, one part carry cross, and you'll be following me. And then Jesus is going to answer this question for us. Why would anybody want to do that? Why should I be willing to deny self and carry cross, whatever that means? And Jesus is going to give us three reasons why we should be willing to follow him. And by follow him, he means deny self and carry cross. That's, that's where we're going today. And we start the beginning of Matthew chapter 16, verse 24. Jesus has just finished talking only to Peter, but then he turns to all of his disciples and he says this, If 
anyone wants to follow me. If anybody wants to become my follower, and I want to pause right there. I want you to notice there's, a, there's an invitation right here. Jesus isn't just talking to Peter anymore. He says, can, who can follow Jesus according to this verse? Anyone. Anyone can become Jesus' follower. But in a way, that starts with a desire to be a follower of Jesus. Jesus says, if anybody wants to be my follower, listen up. And I want you to hear this. Nobody accidentally follows Jesus. If you, if you hope someday you are seen as a Jesus follower, when you stand before God, if you hope he says, wow, I, you know, I, I'm glad you're here. <laughs> you are a Jesus follower during your life. If you would like that to be part of your epithet, I want you to know that doesn't happen by accident. Nobody accidentally follows Jesus. It's hard enough to follow Jesus when we do have a desire. <laughs> Man, do you have a desire? Do you want to follow Jesus? I think in our part of the world, in the West at least, and that sounds really simplistic, you have to want to follow Jesus. But I think everybody in the West has a desire to not go to hell when they die. Right? I have that desire. You have that desire, right? Nobody wants to go to hell when they die. But that's not the same desire as wanting to follow Jesus. Those are different things. Jesus is looking for followers. When he invited those fishermen to leave everything, he didn't say, hey, why don't you drop your nets and not go to heaven or not go to hell when you die? He said, why don't you give up that way of life and follow me? Jesus is looking for followers. And the good news is anyone who wants can be a follower. But if we, and once we get that far, if you have that desire to follow Jesus, he's going to tell us two things we have to do. And if we don't do these things, we're not following. If we do these things, we're following Jesus. Still in verse 24, both of them are. Step one of following Jesus. If you have a desire to follow Jesus, what do I do? Well, step one is to deny yourself. Jesus says it this way. If anyone wants to become my follower, he, he probably ought to deny himself. Is that what Jesus says? No, he says, if anyone wants to be my follower, he must, it is necessary, it's imperative That he deny himself or that she deny herself. That you deny yourself. That I deny myself. So that's, it's obvious we have to do this. The problem is he doesn't really tell us what it is. What does it mean to deny yourself? Like, you're the preacher, you tell me. You're supposed to have studied this all week. Um, The only other person who we see get denied in the Gospels Peter denies Jesus. At the end of this book of Matthew, Peter's going to deny Jesus three times. But this has to be different. Because Peter denies that he knew Jesus, denies that he followed Jesus. I don't know that guy. Never met him. 
You, but denying yourself has to be different than that. I can't deny like knowing myself. But what is it? If I could boil this down, here's what I think denying self means. To deny yourself in the sense that Jesus means it here means to say to yourself, self, you are not in charge around here anymore. That's denying self. Denying self is to refuse to allow my life, the path of my life, um, the decision-making authority in my life to be set by myself, by my will, by my desires any longer. So what do I do with it? Well, because this is the first step to following Jesus, who do we have to give that authority to? Jesus. Denying self to follow Jesus is saying, self, you're not going to be the boss anymore. I'm allowing Jesus to make the decisions to set the course of my life. The reason this is the first step to being a follower of Jesus is because someone has to be in charge of your life. Who's it going to be? Me or him? So denying myself is... Is, is denying my self-will, my self-control, my self-determination, my self-importance, my self-promotion, self-protection. Denying myself is also denying my self-pity and my self-loathing, my self-hatred. Because those things can call the shots in my life also and compete with Jesus for control. So that's really what it is. Just saying, who's going to be the boss? I deny myself control. And I hand the decision-making authority of my life over to Jesus. And I want you to know, before we change slides here, I want you to know it's really easy to believe you are denying yourself and not be really denying yourself. Here's why. This is very tricky. Denying yourself is not the same thing as denying things to yourself or denying yourself certain things. Here's what I mean. Let me try to explain this or hash this out a little bit. I can say, okay, I'm, here's a list of things I'm going to deny myself. I'm going to give up, we might say. I'm going to deny myself um, cussing. I'm going to cut that out. Drugs, I'm going to cut those out. Maybe I give up, I deny myself alcohol, tobacco. Maybe uh, I deny myself meat on Fridays. Maybe I deny myself going certain places doing certain things. I'm going to give up those things. And see, because I've got this list of things I have denied, that means I'm denying myself and I'm a follower of Jesus. Not so fast, my friend. Because in all of those things, I can still be the one calling all of those shots. I can still be the one firmly in control of the decision-making process of my life. Just I have this one moral area where I've decided to call some better, healthier shots. But if I still call all the shots and am in firm control, I do not say, Jesus, what do you want me to do in, in my career? What, what do you want me to do with your money that you've given to me? 
what do you, how do you want me to treat my spouse? How do you want me to raise my kids? What, what should I be doing to recharge my, my battery? See, if, I, if I'm still calling all the shots in my life, even if I call some pretty good moral shots, it doesn't mean I'm denying myself. Does that make sense? Now, if I deny myself and turn over control, the decision-making authority in my life to Jesus, will I wind up following him and obeying him in some of those same exact decisions that I just listed? Absolutely. But for a different reason. Now, because I'm let, I let you call the shots in my life, and in this moral area, I may wind up making exactly the same decisions. But it doesn't stop there. And I'm not doing those things to be good enough so that God likes me anymore. I'm doing those things because I've made Jesus what we call Lord of my life. Jesus, that's what he wants to be. Jesus is looking for followers, for disciples. He wants to be my Lord, which means my master. It means my boss. Jesus doesn't want to be merely my counselor. He certainly doesn't want to be my fixer. And he absolutely doesn't want to be my wingman. He doesn't want to be some guy I go to church with on Sundays. He wants to lead and he doesn't take people by force. He, he, he wants us to give up the leadership of our own lives and give them to him. That's just step one. Step two of following Jesus is to carry my cross or your cross. Jesus says it this way. If anybody wants to become my follower, he must deny himself and he must take up his cross. I want you to notice, he says, that I must take up my cross. So this isn't Jesus' cross, this is your cross. This is my cross. It's obviously tied to his cross, because we're following him. What's, maybe the most interesting thing to me about this verse is Jesus hadn't talked about crosses. The disciples did not think that the cross, like we have hanging in the front of the church here, was a you know, was a pretty thing to hang around, was a neat symbol of, you know, God's glory and love and mercy and all those things. It was, it was not that at all, right? It would be a little closer, like, to us having an electric chair hanging at the front of our uh, church, which would be weird, right? Um, tourniquet material and, like, the, uh, the, the bed they put uh, people on for lethal injection. Only worse, to the disciples, a cross, it wasn't just a way to execute somebody. It was the worst way people could dream up. It was public. It was humiliating. It was shameful. It was disturbing. And Jesus says, if you want to follow me, that's what you've got to carry. What's he mean by us asking us to take up our crosses? Well, if we're going to follow Jesus... We're going to let him call the shots, him make the decisions, and we are following him where he leads. Jesus letting his disciples know, I will lead you into situations that might be shameful, 
might be cross like shameful, humiliating, painful. People might make fun of you. In some cases, and this has been happening for 2,000 years, they might persecute you. They might kill you. But if we're following Jesus, Jesus says, I'll probably lead you in paths where I walked. And people hated Jesus. People spat on Jesus. People hurt Jesus. Why was Jesus willing to put up with that? Because he had denied himself. He didn't call the shots even in his life. The Father did. And so Jesus says, if you're following me, if you're going to be like me, you have to let me carry, call the shots, and you have to be willing to accept whatever shame, humiliation, opposition, pain might come from following me. Now, Jesus doesn't say, if you're not suffering and if you're not humiliated, you're really not my follower. That's not what he says. He just says, you let me call the shots and you must be willing to. I mentioned Peter denying Jesus later in the book. Based on what you know now about denying self and carrying cross, why did did Peter deny knowing Jesus? Because he failed at denying himself. And he refused to carry his cross. If I go where Jesus is going, it's going to get real uncomfortable. So I'm going to call the shots here to avoid what comes with a cross. Humiliation, shame, pain. Right? We've probably all been there. But that's what discipleship is. Now we're finally ready to finish this verse. So Jesus says to his disciples, if anybody wants to become my follower and anybody can, he must deny himself. Let me call the shots in his life. I want to be your Lord. Must take up his cross, must be willing to take whatever shame, humiliation, being made fun of, whatever loss that comes with, and then follow me. I don't think follow me is the third step. I think it's the result of the first two. If we want to follow Jesus and we're willing to deny ourselves and carry our cross, we will find we are following. And where we refuse one of those two things, well, we're not. Now, does that sound easy or hard? Sounds hard, doesn't it? It is hard. So that begs a really good question. Why would anybody we want to to do this? Why should anybody be willing to do this? Well, Jesus is going to give us three answers. This is not easy. Jesus says, I'll give you three things to keep in mind to motivate us to want to follow. Next, Each of the next three verses, depending upon your, there's one translation. I think NIV skips one four, but uh, every one of the next three verses, verse 25, verse 26, verse 27, start with the English word for. Okay, Jesus just said, anybody wants to be my follower, you got to deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. Why would I want to do that, Jesus? Because, because, and because. For, for, and for. Here's the three reasons why you should want to follow Jesus, even though it's hard. 
Verse 25 is the first reason. Reason one, I should be willing to deny myself and carry the cross in order to follow Jesus is because, or for, Jesus says, whoever wants to save his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. There are two good ways to understand what Jesus is saying here. Two different ways to read this. They're both biblical. They kind of say the same thing from a different direction. But here's what Jesus is saying. One reading goes like this. Well, let me ask you, when you fail at carrying your cross, or when you fail at discipleship, isn't it lots of times because you don't want the consequences that will come with, with following Jesus? We shrink back because we don't want whatever negative consequence will come with following him. We do self-protection. We avoid pain. We avoid shame. We go along with the crowd to avoid those things, right? Jesus said, all right, so why should you be willing to do those things? Well, one understanding of this verse has Jesus saying, well, whoever wants to save his life, whoever wants to protect himself, whoever wants to avoid shame, whoever wants to promote self, they're not going to be willing to follow me. And they're going to find out when they get to the end of their life, they will have lost real life. They will have lost eternal life. And they'll find out too late. And on the other hand, whoever will lose his life, whoever will bear the shame that comes with following me for my sake, at the end of their life will find that they have life. Here's the other way to understand what Jesus is saying. I kind of like this one. Uh, a little better. Um, the second understanding has every time you read lose it is just synonymous with deny, denying self. Jesus could be saying this this way. Raise your hand if you would like your life to be saved someday. Right? Someday when you get before God, wouldn't you like God to say, don't worry, your life has been saved. You are a saved person person. Jesus says, why should you want to follow me in this hard way that I've just described? Well, whoever wants to save his life will do what? Will deny himself. Will lose it right now. Will be willing to lose it now. And whoever, and this, this, this word right here can be translated and also. Same word, chi in Greek. And whoever does that, whoever denies himself, carries his cross for my sake, will find real life someday. So why, why should I be willing to follow Jesus? Reason one, because Jesus is the only way to eternal life. He just is. That's not popular. But Jesus says the ones who deny themselves and follow me are going to find themselves in eternal life. And the ones who pr- try to protect themselves through their life are going to be in bad shape. Reason number two, why I should be willing to deny myself and carry a cross comes in verse 26, which is basically this, because there's no ultimate benefit in not doing so. Jesus says it this way. For what does it benefit a person if he gains the whole world but forfeits his life? Some of our versions say soul there. It's the same word that was translated life a version ago, or a verse ago, but... What does it benefit a person 
if he gains the whole world and forfeits his life? What's the answer to that question? What does it benefit a person? If he gets everything this world has to offer, but forfeits his life and do it, what's the benefit there? You know what the answer is? None. There is none benefit, ultimately. There is no benefit to gaining everything this world has to offer and winding up with no life when it counts. Next question says, or, 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 or what can a person give in exchange for his life? Jesus says, okay, maybe think of it this way. I know I know I'm asking you to do something hard by denying yourself, carrying your cross in order to follow me. We might say, man, that sounds like a lot to ask. Jesus says, but is it? I mean, is it really? Let me ask it this way. If, if God came down and set up a storefront, right? And he said, eternal life sold here. And you walked in and it was a bartering situation. God was taking bids on eternal life. If it worked that way, and God said, all right, here's the deal. All right, if you buy this eternal life, you may have 10, you may have 20, you may have 40, you may have 50 years left on life, but, it, but if you spend enough to walk out of here with eternal life, it doesn't matter how much time you have left on this earth, you're going to live forever with me. How much would you pay for that box for eternal life. Well, man, if you put it that way, that seems like a no-brainer. Jesus says, how about this? Would you deny yourself and carry a cross if it means eternal life? Well, now that you put it like that, maybe it's not so expensive. After all, why should I be willing to deny myself and carry my cross? Because there, ultimately there will be no benefit to not doing so. At the end of my life, every single person, at the end of our lives, every single one of us will look back at our lives and never think, man, I, I could have made some better financial decisions if I would have worked harder in sports. Right? If I, would have, if I would have got that advanced degree and had another title in front of my name, none of that stuff will mean anything ultimately. Our only, it's just how did I follow him? There will be no ultimate benefit. Doesn't it seem beneficial sometimes to not follow Jesus? Be honest. Doesn't it seem beneficial sometimes to not follow Jesus? Doesn't it seem like life could be more fun, more profitable, easier, have less pain and discomfort? Jesus says, I just want you to know there will be no ultimate benefit for those who don't follow me. That's why we should be willing to follow him. And the last reason we should be willing to deny ourselves and carry the cross is the exact opposite of that. It comes at it from a more positive uh, sense where Jesus says, it will be worth it if you do. Verse 27, why should you be willing to follow Jesus? Jesus says, for because the Son of Man 
will come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will reward each person according to what he has done. I want you to see something neat in this verse. Um, Jesus is God, okay? Um, just biblical, the biblical Christian view of Jesus is he is divine. He is one in nature with God the Father, equally God in his godness, okay? Jesus says that right here. Okay, so when some really nice people ring your doorbell and they want to give you some literature and they don't believe Jesus is really God, they're wrong, and here's why. One of the reasons as we keep track of them as we go through the book of Matthew. Who's the son of man? That's Jesus. His favorite nickname for himself, right? So Jesus said, I will come with whose angels? The son of man's angels. Jesus says, I'm going to come with my angels. What person has angels? Do you have angels? No. Now, you may have some of God's angels looking around after you, but whose angels are they? Who they belong to? They're God's angels, all of them. Jesus says, I'm going to come with my angels. Did you guys know I have angels? I'm going to come with my angels in the glory of the Father. And we could go to Isaiah where, where God says, I will not share my glory with anyone else. Jesus says, oh, I've got that glory. Then Jesus says this, and then he, the Son of Man, that's Jesus, it's like he's saying, I will reward each person according to what he has done. If your Bible is open, is that in quotes or in all caps or in italics in your translation? It probably is. The reason is that's a quote from the Old Testament about God. Guess who? Um... By the way, Zechariah 14 says God will come to earth with his angels. Okay, so Jesus said, that's me. Guess who we read in the Old Testament is going to reward each person according to what he has done? God. So Jesus has just said, I have angels. I'm the one. I'm the God who's going to come to earth. And I'm going to judge everyone according to what he has done. The Old Testament says that's God. Jesus says it's me. How can both those things be true? Because Jesus is God. That wasn't even the main point of the sermon. That's just extra. You can have that for free. The main point Jesus is making here, if his disciples have getting sweaty palms about carrying a cross, right, walking around with an electric chair, Bearing shame and humiliation and letting... I mean, why should I want to let a first century uh, Jewish carpenter run my life? Doesn't that sound ridiculous? Why would I want to do that? Here's why. Because Jesus said, someday I'm coming back. And I will make it eternally worth it. If you have followed me. It will be worth it. That's why. I know it's costly, I know it's hard, but Jesus says, I'll make it worth your while. It's the old Jim Elliot line, right? He is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. So where does this little passage leave us? First, even though this top part on my concluding slide is not from this passage. I want to ask you, do you believe that Jesus is who Peter said he was a couple of sermons ago? 
one paragraph ago in the, in the text. Do you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God? Do you believe that the reason Jesus was killed was because someone had to die for your sins and he said, I choose me? Do you believe that about Jesus? Here's why that's important. Because otherwise you can apply everything. You can try to apply the stuff I've been telling you this morning when you're just trying to be good so God likes you. If you don't do that because you believe in Jesus so much that you want to follow him, none of this matters. You can give up all the bad stuff and do all the good stuff you want if you do not believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, who saved you from your sins by dying in your place, the death you should have died. None of the rest of this matters. If you believe that, next question, do you want to follow Jesus? Do you have a desire to be a Jesus follower? If your, if your honest answer to that question is, eh, not really, I want to ask you, why not? Why not? And I'll warn you with Jesus' words, what will it benefit you if you gain the whole world and forfeit your life? If you don't have a real desire to follow Jesus, why not? Do you think you know how life works better than God knows how life works? God invented life. He knows how it works best. And then if you do, if you can say, yes, I'm not very good at it, Matt, but I want to follow Jesus. That's where I am. Like, I want to be a better follower of Jesus this week than I was last week. I will do it imperfectly. I will mess it up. But I have a desire to follow Jesus. If you have a desire to follow Jesus, then then here's what you do. Every single day, you get up and you say, Lord, This is the day that you have made. (laughs) What do you want me to do today? And listen, he probably, scratch that, he he may not want you to change where you work. He may not want you to change change a lot of what you're, he just wants you to do that for him. He wants you to be a good spouse, a good kid, a good kid, a good parent. He wants you to be a good farmer. He wants you to be a good chemical guy. He wants you to be a good insurance guy. He wants you to be a good student athlete. Right? He, he put you in all those places. Right? He doesn't want you to be a monk. He doesn't want you to be a pastor, probably. But every day I ask the Lord, what, so what do you want from me today? How do you want me to be a pharmacist as a, who's a Jesus follower? What shot do you want to call today? And then, I'm obedient in, in, in that following, even if, even if I get laughed at. You know, I don't think this should be that uncommon. Where, when's the last time you said, Gosh, I don't think I should be doing that. I don't think we should do that. I can't participate in that because I'm following Jesus and I just don't think that's what he wants me to do and he calls the shots in my life. 
I don't want you to feel like judged and I don't want you to feel shamed. That's not what I'm trying to do here. It's just I, I'm trying to follow Jesus so I can't. I'm not sure that should be all that rare. Probably not nearly as rare as it is. And you know why we don't do that? Because we don't want the consequences. But listen, Jesus said, it's going to be worth it. You hang in there. Anyone can do this. You can do this. Come do life with me. Come follow me. I am coming back with my angels. I'm going to make it eternally worth your while. It is worth it. It is doable. And I want you to follow me. That's what Jesus would tell, tell us this morning. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, thank you so much again for, for sending your son to die under the penalty we deserved. But Lord, you are looking for followers, disciples. And that's where we start to mess up, Lord. Help us keep in mind what you promised today. Not just that, that, that we have to deny our author, the authority over our own lives and hand that to you and, and be willing to carry our cross, but help us keep in mind the promises you have that it will be worth it in the end and for eternity. God, give us the courage this week when some of us find ourselves in a situation where we either have to follow the crowd or follow you or follow our desires or follow you or follow our lusts or follow you. Remind us of this moment right here and give us the courage to say, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, self. I'm sorry, friend. I'm not the one in control because I want to follow Jesus. I, I just have to draw this line. And let us know that if we do that, if we deny ourselves, we, we will find real life here and eternally. We love you, Lord. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.